When I was in middle school, I had a shirt that said, normal people scare me, that I got from Hot Topic, and I thought I was extremely cool. Okay, I lied. I didn't have a shirt that said, normal people scare me. I had a postcard that said, normal people scare me, and I taped it to a messenger bag I made out of duct tape. That's what a rebel I was. I thought I would never fit in, and it it was awesome. And then I got to high school, and I just wished that I could fit in. I went to college, and I remember writing down, why are you always so weird? Why can't you just be one of the normal people? I wanted to find a path that involved being mainstream and hitting, just hitting in with the, with the gatekeepers and getting to the top. Uh, well, turn it all around to now. I'm in my thirties and I am so happy that I never fit in. I never quite made it into the fitting in because, um, I, Hey, I'm in a successful band. It's my full-time job. I have, kickstarted my way to a full-time gig making weird music for weirdos with my sister and that's what today's episode the first episode of the fan-funded podcast is going to be about i am so excited to bring you along on this journey And welcome to Fan Funded with Laser. I am Laser. The goal of this podcast is to help you build an audience full of true fans who are excited to actually support your music and creations. Today, my special guest is Aubrey Turner, my friend, my partner in music, and my sister who's going to be interviewing me about what I do and my crowdfunding journey, uh, and, which is actually what we both do. We'll be interviewing each other. So, hey, you beautiful creator, let's get right into it, shall we? Hi, Aubrey. Hi, Lizer. I am so happy that you're here. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, we are a band called The Double Clicks. We make music about cats, dinosaurs, queer feelings, anxiety. And Aubrey, you play the cello. Accurate. I play the ukulele. Aubrey, you also play cat keyboard. I do. Maximilian is the uh, third member of the band. Not really. Maximilian is just a cat keyboard. He's not sentient, even though that's in the canon of the band. He is alive and a person. Um, And yeah, (laughs) and that's uh, that's it. So I've written. uh, We have some questions here that I've written for you, which is very within the dynamic of our band. Um, Yes, it's perfect. But I thought it would be a very good fit for the first episode uh, of this podcast for you to interview me, for us to interview each other and talk about sort of why I do this thing that I do and um, why I think this is a really interesting thing that I like to talk about. So thank you, Aubrey. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Laser, speaking of which, thank you. What is it that you do? Oh gosh, thank you. Well, I'm in a great band with my sister. It's called the Double Clicks, and we uh, <laughs> we've been very lucky. So, um, as you know, Aubrey, you yes. and I started in my dorm room right after uh, you had finished college. You moved out to Portland, correct? Um, and we started writing little songs. And these days, I guess almost ten years later. Um, (laughs) we release new albums almost every year. We usually do that on Kickstarter. We raise an average of $60,000 a year on Kickstarter. We have a Patreon that every month brings in about $2,000 from about 500 fans. It goes up and down. We tour the country. Sometimes we go international. We got to go to Europe because of a Kickstarter, which was awesome. Oh my gosh. 
Yes. Um, we release albums thanks to Kickstarters, and those regularly hit the top of the Billboard comedy charts. What else do we do, Aubrey? Uh, if that wasn't enough. Oh, we, we do we do a lot of YouTube videos. That's how we started was by yes. doing this weekly kind of song a week. Then it became weekly song Wednesday and then monthly song Monday YouTube channel project where we just kind of figure out how to scrappily make videos in every room of my large house that I lived in with like 10 college kids. Yeah, uh, kids from my college when I was also a kid. Yes. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> but we still make those videos of varying level of budget, usually zero dollars. We do a varying lot of- level of like participation and crowdsourcing. We do a lot of videos. You're right. With our audience, we'll, we'll have them submit pictures of them holding up one of the lyrics from the songs or um, dancing with pizza or jam in the aisles or at Costco or whatever. Yes. Um, or cat pictures, lots yeah. of cat pictures. <laughs> um, and yeah, lots of online shows, especially over this last year, last year alone, we raised, I think over $22,000 for various causes. Um, thanks to our incredible audience who came to a lot of online shows doing stuff that we did. And, uh, yeah, that's basically what I do. Aubrey, I do a lot of emailing <laughs> and songwriting. And right now we're writing our first musical and, um, yeah, we just try a lot of different stuff, and it's very fun. Excellent. Now, Laser. Yes. Was this an intentional career choice? <laughs> or what sort of career choice did you make that led you here? Thank you, Aubrey. Great question. Um, and I'm going to turn this around on you So oh, while, while I'm rambling. Okay. Think. So, no, I didn't want to be a musician. So our dad, as you know, Aubrey... Your, I do know your father also is a musician. And so um, <laughs> we grew up in this house, always playing music. Aubrey, yes. you and I had a band in high school called Charisma. Charisma. Um, formerly a girl band. Most of us aren't girls anymore. So that's the, the least half. Yeah. It's very funny. Um, but uh, I, I picked up a violin when I was three, but I yes, really did. didn't want to be a musician. I didn't like practicing and I didn't like, um, I like being on stage and making people laugh, but it's just not my vibe. It just seemed like a lot of pressure and a lot of you have to do what other people tell you to do and right. play boring songs. The way it was introduced to us was not appealing. Not my vibe. No. Um, that being said, I did spend a lot of time in music classes. It's true. At school. Um, but no, I wanted to be a newspaper reporter or a writer or something. So I went to school for international politics and uh, right after college, I, I got a job at a newspaper. I worked actually within, you know, the first two years out of college. I had interned or worked at pretty much every newspaper company in Portland, Oregon. Yes. Um, or magazine. I did, did it all. But Aubrey had moved to town and was playing cello with everybody because everybody needs a cello and convinced me to come out to open mic nights. Yes. Um. And we were just so much better than everybody. <laughs> Not true. But we were just having such a good time. We had a really good time. We had a lot of experience playing music. Yes. Which not everybody had the uh, the benefit of our experience. Yes. We had done it. So, I mean, at that point, we had been playing music. And even though I took a break during college, like for 10, 15 years, you know? So, like, it had been... With each other. With each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... And we, we got, you know, picked up for a few gigs. We got, and, and, um, 
so so we you know we didn't really even have a band name but we got booked for a few things in portland i mean a great place to start a band because there's music everywhere there isn't like money in it at all no no when we say gigs we mean please come play for free yeah yeah go to the basement of this venue and do an hour or whatever but it you know it was a great place to do what we were doing and and we were doing something really different so we got like a monthly gig at a place called twin paradox and people were finding us and it was great and i really liked the feeling of everybody liking me so um (laughs) just chased that uh we got our first i would say couple big breaks were when I sent a couple of our songs to friends of mine from high school and college who are artists. And I was like, I'm looking for, we're going to do weekly videos. So if you're interested in like drawing a picture to go along with one of these songs, that would be awesome. And my friend Brad Jonas, you know, a couple months later just sent me a full out animated video for one of our songs without any information that it was coming. It's just like, here you go. It was like, oh, okay. And that got us picked up on the Dungeons and Dragons podcast. And that was awesome. So people found us that way. Um, what an incredible gift. An incredible gift that Brad gave us. Like, he is awesome. Um, yes. Then uh, in the middle of the night, one night, I I saw that Paul and Storm were coming to Portland with a show Yay! called Nerds and Music with Hank Green and um, Mike Furman. And I was like, hey, you're nerd, you're doing a show called Nerds and Music. We play Nerds and Music. I sent them the link to the Dungeons and Dragons video. Um, yes. And they liked our cello solo. Um, and <laughs> they they were like, okay, yes, you can play 10 minutes in our show. It was the be- still to this day the best gig we ever had. I was still wearing like my business casual, terrible Kohl's clothes. Um but it was. Uh, but we still, we still did. We did a solid ten minutes. Uh, we destroyed. <laughs> um, we absolutely destroyed that audience. But that also, just because it was, you know, those people, Paul and Storm, and they had this loyal audience that when they tweeted that we were playing with them, people were like, "Oh, okay, more music!" Like voraciously looking for new music in this genre, found us yeah. and um, followed us and. And so we and they were, trusted Paul and Storm. They trusted Paul and Storm. They're very trustworthy as they are. They, they're good boys. Yes. So yeah, we got you know new fans that way, and 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 then we'd go to like conventions and um, anyway. But but yeah, that's that. It wasn't an intentional career choice. In answer to your question, but it kind of <laughs> snowballed out of control. How about you? I mean, because you went into music in school. I did. I thought okay, I'm supposed to go to college now. I guess I've been playing music. I guess I'll keep doing that. And then I went to college and then I went, oh, no, (laughs) I hope this turns out. And then when I came out to Portland, saw you were writing songs. They were my favorite of all the songs I was hearing. So I did drag you to the open mics because I really all I wanted to do was play those songs. And it turned out that um, I was really, really lucky that you you were willing to let me uh, tag along. And make a band with me. <laughs> well, you had a car, so. <laughs> yep. Works out. The benefits of me buying a car. It, yeah, you know, it's it's really funny that, like, yeah, you know, a lot of what I do with my artists now is, like, strategically planning and stuff. And a lot of it is just, like, just do things. And, like, the chances are a mistake is going to be what pans out. But you can't make mistakes unless you're moving forward, you know, unless you're. That's true. Choices. I, I, 
I ran away from Boston because I didn't I didn't like the vibe. It was pretty because well, it's a terrible place. <laughs> it's it's just it's a, it's an easy place to be kind of grumpy in. And uh, you made Portland look really fun. And so I moved out to Portland and then uh, and then you made music look really fun. And so I I tried to get you to do music with me and it was it became very fun. So thank you. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, actually, Laser, I have another I have another question. OK. What are all the things you have to do to run the double clicks? Oh, good question. Um, you know, when we started, I feel like I was working all the time. And actually, I think this is true until like relatively recently. Yes. I um, was always on my computer. Like I never turned off. I was always emailing you and like looking for new opportunities and trying to pitch us. So, you know, we would make a new music video every week, which involved me writing a song which involves like me watching a lot of TV and having a lot of feelings. And, you know, our songs for a while were very, very nerdy, but you know, it's, they're more about emotions than the nerdy stuff. Yes. And then editing videos and shooting the videos and the editing takes longer than the shooting. And Mm -hmm. then promoting them on Twitter and Instagram and, and booking us tours that is extremely time consuming because we do it all ourselves. So I research the venues by seeing where other people have toured and uh, and then reaching out and following up and figuring out how, how to schedule it, which is a system I completely invented, even though that system has existed, there are easier <laughs> ways to do things. And that is what I have discovered over the last 10 years. Yeah. Just a ton of stuff. I think now it's, it's, it's much sleeker partially thanks to the fact that we have, you know, an existing fan base that has made it a little easier just to keep our heads above water. And we aren't constantly flailing just to like stay afloat, but also because we've, you know, met people and I'm not afraid to ask for help and stuff like that. But there, there, you know, there's just a lot of, um, a lot of wheels that are involved in keeping the double clicks going. Um, and I guess that, guess it's like merch tour songwriting song releasing And then just the whole like machine of interacting with the audience and then growing the audience if, if that becomes a priority, although it becomes less of a priority now. Like I, I am just way more interested in like nurturing and kind of protecting our audience right now. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is, is as the audience becomes younger and more queer and stuff, I just like want to make sure everybody's safe and that we are uh, open with them and that we love them and that they know we love them. And um, it's not yes. really a good answer to your question that no, I No, but every but. single one of those uh, categories you just listed, like seven or 10 of them mm-hmm. uh, can be broken down into smaller things. Oh yeah. It's a bajillion. Yeah. I don't have time to, to basically is the answer to tell you everything I do, but it's, um, it's fun. Yes. I, I really like it. And um, I'm, I'm glad that it's less work than it used to be when I was constantly flailing because I feel like I wasted a lot of time trying to be like, okay, how do we get an agent or how do we get on this Twitch show or how do we, you know, mm. and, and I don't, don't get me wrong. Like the couple of times we were on like geek and sundry's tabletop, or we were able to get to beyond Wootstock or like yes. those, you know, the Joko cruise, those, those like big gets, were very helpful for us in terms of leveling up the size of our audience. Yeah. But we didn't get those by like (laughs) begging to do it. We did it by 
creating consistently great stuff and then also happening to be in the right place at the right time. Like it's like, it's, it's annoying, but also I feel like a, a lot of what I like my, my kind of whole principle is like, you're better off spending time working on your own stuff and making incredible stuff. And then, then trying just to be where people need you to be like it's it's you're gonna be annoyed if you're trying to you can't wait around for that to happen yeah exactly it won't come yeah yeah it it'll come to you if you're working on your own self yeah more more likely anyway and or it won't come but you'll still get somewhere that you you love being exactly all right what else obs Oh, yeah. So you're speaking about a lot of things and it all ties into when did this become a primary source of income? Because you're doing a lot of jobs yes. uh, and maybe you need to eat sometimes. Yeah. So when we both first became full time double clicks, we were living in houses with like six people in Portland, Oregon. Accurate. In the early 2010s. Yes. When you could do so for about five hundred dollars, yes. Um, so it or less or much much less. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I think at some point my rent was like three fifty. Like it's it was great. It's a good time. Yes, um, I'm remembering it l- below four hundred dollars. Yes. Yeah, it's it was a good time. So and and then and like you know you'd eat rice with cheese and salt. That was one of my favorite dishes. You know, fun yeah. a fun activity was like go look at the goats. Okay. I've looked at the goat. Like it was great. Um, yeah. You just walk down the street. You don't really, uh, <laughs> you don't go party because you have a bunch of work to do. Yeah. You like, I literally didn't have hobbies. So, right. um, I had, I quit my job as a reporter at which I made $30,000 a year, an amount of money that I could not believe my luck that I made that amount of money. <laughs> Uh, that is not a living wage. Oh no, it was horrible. Um, oh my gosh. The amount of hours and just, you were not getting paid for your, I mean, it was a raise from my last job, which was 12,000, I think. Oh my gosh. Um, but it was, uh, great. Um, and, but I left that job because I didn't, I think I, I think I had five vacation days for the year. Um, and we had gotten booked at too many conventions and they just wouldn't let me take any more vacation days and I was like okay well I want to go do this tour or record this album or something so I guess I'm leaving um and they were like okay uh and then they gave me freelance work that paid better than working there I ever had oh my cool. gosh um <laughs> really cool and fun so I just I just left and I was like I guess I'll figure this out maybe I'll become a freelance writer did like one freelance gig and and then was just like actually I'm just going to do music because I'm too busy. I, you know, I booked (laughs) us tours and stuff. You were still working part-time. When did you become full-time in the Double Clicks, Aubrey? I became full-time after the first Kickstarter. I think that was 2014. Yes, our first Kickstarter for Demetrodon, which we launched because we wanted to get paid for making music videos. Wow. before patreon was very big um we were like okay so we're making all these music videos like weekly this is not a thing we can monetize to the point where it's ever going to be worth it so we'll launch a kickstarter so we can actually make money off of making music videos this isn't the first time we had like crowdfunded an album um we had done a lot of pre-sales and a lot of like if you give 
you know, a hundred dollars for our album, you'll also get special dice and your name on a special thank you wall or whatever on our website. But this was the first time we did a Kickstarter because we were like, well, it's actually worth it. We're going to hire a producer and we're going to make music videos for 10 weeks, which take a lot of time and energy. Yes, exactly. We're going to pay ourselves. It was awesome. It was really great. It, we, we had no idea what to expect. And Laser spent a lot of time setting that up. Yeah, I remember the night before I was like, okay, we're going to ask for 8000 And then I did the math and I was like, oh, if we ask for 8000 we're going to lose money <laughs> because of shipping. Um, ah. So we asked for 18000 and we made that in the first day. We ended up making $80,000. Oh, my god! You quit your job. We got yes. all kinds of cool stretch goals. And it was not hard to quit my job either because I was also making not a li- living wage. Like 12 bucks an hour or something ridiculous. <laughs> oh, it was it was not 12 bucks yeah. an hour. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, but they didn't care if I took off of time because they really needed me to work. Yeah. Anyway. It's great. Anyway, so that, yeah, yeah, we're finally free and working full time um, back in 2014 or something. And yeah. we just decided we're just gonna have to make it work. We yes. didn't do the smart thing where you save up $8,000 before you quit your job. We just did it. Yeah. Decided we'd figure it out. <laughs> and it was all thanks to our fans and that Kickstarter funding. So let's talk about them, Laser. Yes. How many fans do you have and where do they come from where are they from where are these double clicks fans from this is a very good question um so i think i i I think about this a lot i think we've gotten to this point where we solidly have like ten thousand followers and i say that because that's about where our mailing list has been hovering for like the last three years did you know that that's incredible when you say that you mean that when you say mailing list you mean email mailing list that's amazing yeah i mean we have like about ten thousand people on twitter and facebook like obviously there is some overlap there's some there's more than that people who like have heard of us which is actually kind of wild now that i think about it right um but there are you know there are 1500 ish who are the pool of people who will buy something from us every year or come see us on tour or you know and, and and if you aubrey probably have heard of the thousand true fans theory I have that if you have a thousand true fans who will spend, you know, a hundred dollars on you a year, then you have, you're fine. You can make a living as a musician. I don't know. I think that theory has some weight to it. Um, I really like the size of audience we have because it make, I don't, I see people who have a bigger audience, people like our friends, the McElroys or, you know, Jonathan Colton or, you know, folks who, who just like when it gets to a certain size, you don't get to interact with people anymore. You don't get to have like hmm. that relationship where you're allowed to make mistakes and allowed to be a person. Sure. Um, and um, it's a little stressful. Um, that does sound stressful. I like where we are. I don't know. Um, and uh, anyway, and then where do they come from? <laughs> I think that's just a very big conversation, I guess. Um, I think they've, <laughs> we're still, we still have room for personal growth. I think. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of conversations to be had there, but yeah, I love our audience. They've come from all over. I think music videos really help, um, which is why I advocate so strongly for my artists to make videos and post them on the internet. Because when we do something like we covered uh Sunday comes afterwards song, the pronoun song, yes, which is a song about gender identity 
Um, and we released a song called I'm Winning and a song called Wrong About Gender, just like all these genderqueer kind of vibes. We get new fans who are educators in the queer space or people who are looking for content that is cheerful and gay. And that's the kind of people we're looking for. Absolutely. But people also found us through those initial like breakthroughs through Will Wheaton and Paul and Storm. And when we're on podcasts, like we did a plugs theme for comedy bang bang a million years ago. Like like people have found us very strange ways. And I'm just thankful that we're out there doing stuff and like we play conventions. We've gone over the world and we'll we'll show up at your local game store and you will not expect us. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Just like random. One time a guy in, in I think it was in houston or dallas showed up because they were just like i went on google music today and it was like what's playing near me today like and just came i was like you guys are great it was like okay cool very random but um i think for the most part the topics of our songs and the people like even the authors we collaborate with and the various you know being present and around in communities whether they're around content or fandoms or I think that's where they come from. Exactly that. So do you have a mission statement or a general goal that guides the different things you do? I think we do. We have, and we talk about this a lot. It started with like the songwriting, right? I think we got to a point where we weren't just doing the same kind of songs all the time, which was nerdy, jokey songs. Yes. But we figured out like what makes a double click song because the same person can be in multiple bands and can make multiple things. And we're just like, well, is every song I write a double click song or what makes something part of this band? Um, Right. And basically what it came down to was like, we want to write songs that when you sing like the chorus, they make you feel better. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) it might, it might start with like, we have a song called this is my jam which is a song about basically people arguing. And I know that there was a specific piece of sand that made me angry that turned into this song, but I can't exactly even remember it right now, but it's, it's, you know, people fighting on the internet or people who are like, I don't like that thing and you should stop talking about it and, or whatever people who are being negative And that's not what the song is about. The song is just about loving stuff and it's very happy and it's about breakfast but it's it starts with the anger of being mad at the patriarchy and being bad at, mad at negative people and being mad at Twitter. And it's not a song that mentions Twitter and it's not a song that mentions the patriarchy. You know, it's just <laughs> joyful. And the video is all just like kids dancing with jam in the aisles of Costco. And it just makes me so happy. Um, <laughs> and, and it gets to the point where now, like, I don't even remember, like, the thing, the specific thing that made me angry enough to write a song. Um, and to me, that's what the double clicks is, is like. I want people to see, feel seen and loved and hugged by music. Um, and it doesn't have to be brilliantly, you know, composed. And it doesn't have to be like, I have a lot of artists who come to me or like, well, I just need it to be really high quality. And I got to go into the studio and pay $5,000 a track to get this guy who worked with this person. And, 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 and our songs sound great. Um, but they're not like, that right there are songs and they're a little simple <laughs> and they kind of sound sometimes like kids music in 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 a way yeah. that maybe people would look down on but i just want people to be happy we're just about joy and silliness mm-hmm. and sometimes it's also 
a little bit of anger and queer feelings and education and all of those things. But like, I want the chorus ultimately to be this mantra that, that, that flips it. Right. Yes. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And which is why I think I try not to engage. Like if I'm really sad or angry about something on the internet, I try my best to flip that into positivity before I post on the internet instead of being one of those people like, Oh, nobody's even talking about this thing. I would like to instead be like, let's find the positive. And and whenever we're like doing a show to raise money or to just like anything we're doing, I want it to be the positive spin. I want it. I want to, what we do to be like the gem of brightness in somebody's day instead of the, you know, the cynical aspect or the, I think they're, you want to be hopeful. You want to take action. Yeah. Hopeful in action instead of, I think there's a lot of value in, in, in other stuff, but I'm not going to be like, there are lots of other places to get news and a lot of it. I mean, there's negatively tivoli any, anywhere in the world right now, but um, that's not, I think the value of what we do. That's not what we can uniquely add because I'm not a news person anymore, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you make so many things. Yes. What are the different things you make? And what are your other revenue streams? Yes. This is a good, this is the thing I want to talk about on Fan Funded about just like practically what goes into being a creator. So the double clicks, the very visible thing we talk about is because it's like our specialty, right? Is crowdfunding. Yes. Kickstarter, Patreon, and honestly, that's a lot of it. We don't do a lot of like talking all year about our merch or talking all year about our Spotify because kind of I prefer to just give everything away for free all year and then just once a year, it's kind of the Adam Warrock model or the NPR model in a way, you know, like don't don't knock them. They work. (laughs) They work so well of like, hey, everybody, we're just going to spend time with you all year. And then once a year, we're going to just say, come to you hat in hand, as the McElroy say, and say, hey, if you've been enjoying this, can you support us? But we do make money on other stuff. So here are other things we do. We're on streaming services. We've made money on Spotify because we are on one big playlist, Music for Writers, our song, Mister Oh, Mr. Darcy. I'm not even sure you're aware of this, Aubrey, but it gets like 10,000 of streams. Uh, wow. And so we actually make, you know, a good $100 on Spotify every once in a while. Amazing. Where everybody else makes like 0.2 cents. Also because we own all of our music. We don't, we've never partnered with anybody. So it's ours. Yeah. You know, where people <laughs> get sections of pennies because they have their label and their producer and stuff. We just, Aubrey's our producer. Hi. Um, hi. <laughs> we, you know, we don't have a publishing company. It's just us. We own everything. We write it, we produce it, we record it. It's ours. We're huge into merch. We don't do print on demand. We we like the Aubrey goes and drives up to North Portland and picks up the t-shirts. Yes. That are hand screen printed. So we have quality. Big margins on the shirts that we print, and they're very high quality because I am yes. very passionate about that. Uh speaking of which tour, don't not yeah. a huge moneymaker for us, to be honest, but uh selling merch on tour is big. Merch fuels the tour. Merch fuels the tour as well as a, we usually do like a donation-based tour, not so much ticket sales, although we, we increasingly we are getting to the point where we can play big enough venues where we actually sell tickets. Um, but we do a lot of venues where it's just like 
show up. Can you put $10 in this hat, maybe? That would be nice. Maybe sneak a 20 in there. <laughs> the Marion Call Method. Yeah. Um, and Patreon. Until recently, most of our online shows have been free, um, thanks to Patreon, although we started doing charity online shows that have cost money. Then we do we do private shows, so we might play a bar mitzvah or a oh, birthday so party. Bar mitzvah yes. is the best show we've ever played. Yes. Um, we uh, occasionally will do a corporate gig, like play at an aquarium <laughs> for a bunch of nerds. Um, we do sometimes get hired to play, to, to write a podcast theme or license one of our songs for something. And that's usually a good chunk of money. Um, yeah. That's always nice. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's a nice thing on the, on the side. Um, but yeah, that's most of, I think where the double clicks money comes from. I also, obviously, um, especially over this last year when most of that money went away, became a Kickstarter coach. I mean, I've been Hooray. doing it since 2015, basically when I helped my friend Lucia launch her Kickstarter for her album that she had had in the can and wasn't releasing. And I was like, why don't you just release it? Um, <laughs> Just make a and Lucia was like, I don't know how. And then Laser said, Oh, okay. Well, I do, so I'll show you. Yeah, because um, I like to help, and I can't stop myself. Um, but that's uh, not a double clicks thing exactly. Um, and uh, had started as a very small thing that I um, charged not enough money for at all, and just did be basically because I wanted to. I wanted to give unsolicited advice to my friends, so I made them solicit it by paying me. And yeah. now is uh, more of an actual job that is turning even more into an actual job as time goes on. Aubrey, what do you do for the double clicks? Oh, uh, you already mentioned that I do production. I also, when we are on tour, I do a lot of driving. I do our live sound when That's we don't right. play, uh, when we're not playing in a place that has a sound person. We're very, uh, very or... lucky to have Aubrey drive the car so I can sleep. Um, I guess we, I mean me... And also that Aubrey like records all of our music. And then also, uh, yeah, we have a PA that we bring with us so we can play yes. places that we d- that don't need tickets. <laughs> yes. It's really, really nice. It's like, do you, hello, do you have chairs? Could we come play at your place? What is our um, um, little PA called? Uh, they don't make it anymore, oh. but um, it was called the Alto Mix Pack. We Basically, we have a portable small PA system that, different companies like you can you can go to guitar center guitar center and see several versions at different prices nice. ours likes like a little space pod yeah there are some that have have that capability that are still being made because we are just two people <laughs> it just takes like five inputs to get us on the i use it to run um improv shows going. variety shows in la it's just a nice it was little a vibe good in good investment for us yeah absolutely um, I think yeah. a lot of people think things are impossible. And then you realize, like, if you invested a few hundred dollars, this wouldn't be impossible anymore. Yes. Um, I mean, it's an investment. And sometimes it's better to not learn how to do things so you aren't stuck doing them forever. But also, That's true. Um, sometimes there is yeah. something that can give you get you over the hump. Whether and it's- something else that we learned how to do is our own shipping Oh, yes. Um, And I get to do that now, too. So I've been shipping merch, which is another fun thing I get to do. Yay. You're very good at it because you put stickers on the envelopes. It's very fun. I love stickers. Do you think that's the most unexpected task you've taken on for the double clicks? (laughs) Actually, maybe. I don't know that I ever thought I would be doing that. 
when I was in music school, for sure. What do you think? What are some unexpected tests that you've taken on for the double oh, text thank laser? You. Um, I don't know. I, I, um, I, I'm just remembering now, like one time we decided we were going to Australia. Like we got booked to go to Australia, uh, <laughs> to play at a convention. So good. And they flew us over and we were like, we'll get an extra week. But for some reason, like it all happened really last minute. Um, <laughs> and so I was booking us a tour in Australia yeah, you were less than three weeks ahead of time. Amazing. Um, and so I was basically going on Facebook groups of like fans of other artists in Australia. Like, hey, anybody want to host a house concert? <laughs> I remember you doing that and just being like, you know what? Laser can do this. Yeah. I I knew you could. It was like at this point, nothing could surprise me anymore. <laughs> It was great, but it was just like basically I became a travel agent and and you did for a great us, job. And we booked, we played a house concert in this amazing house where in the middle of the show, uh, we talked about we had just learned about fairy bread, which yep. is toast with butter and sprinkles, delicious. Um, and we'd mentioned we'd never had it, and so in the middle of the show, somebody went to the grocery store and came back, and we all had it at the end of the show. It was amazing, <laughs> and the host got super drunk. Um, oh, so it, drunk! It was so much fun. Um, and then we went, we played in a circus warehouse, not a circus, but the warehouse where they kept the circus stuff. Yep. Where the ringmaster was also living. Yep. Um, and we played at a cabaret bar. Yes. And. It was all just so good. It was all the most confusing and wonderful adventure. Amazing shows. It was so fun. I, I yes. So that, I think that's probably still to this date, like the most unexpected tasks and opportunities that have come up. Um, that I and thought the time you were about I, to say that you were you, the unexpected part was that you had to immediately learn how to drive a car driving on the other side of the oh, car. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we got out of the airplane after not having slept and going through customs for like two hours And you immediately or rented a car and got in the car and you just had to drive it. <laughs> yeah, and we, I think we got a GPS, but it was amazing. Yep. It was all just You did it. You wild. just went for it. <laughs> and then I surprised you with a giant concrete lamb. I loved that lamb. <laughs> oh, what a weird life ram i don't know what oh yeah it was a ram um and tiny penguins oh and we got to see the tiny penguins we went to the koala sanctuary that was just the best (laughs) thanks for taking me to australia i can't believe we went me neither it was awesome yeah (laughs) wow i think Uh, the other most unexpected thing is when i walked out of a bathroom and then paul saboran introduced me to neil gaiman (laughs) and i had to convince him that we'd never met before that's pretty sure we had. It's like no, yep. I yeah. I feel, like, I feel like I know, but okay, Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman is pretty sure that mm. he's met Laser before. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is that is there a different answer to what are some unexpected no. opportunities? That's the same same answer. Yeah. Okay. Then how about what sort of help do you get, Aubrey? We have an assistant now. it's so good tell me more we've had we've tried to hire people in the past and we've gotten some good ad hoc help yes um but i think it's really important 
I, this is something I learned in a delegation class I took recently. Oh, good. It's really important to hire people who know what they're doing and not just friends who are convenient. Mm. Um, hire people who already have the skills that you're looking for. So at the turn of the year this year, I put out the word that I wanted an assistant. I interviewed a whole bunch of people. And the very last person I interviewed was a person who's actually very skilled in being a remote VA for artists. And she's the best. And I love her. And she does every great thing now. She just booked a whole tour for us and planned it. It was a virtual tour. And she does emails and she does social media stuff when we need her to. And, and it's, it's just the best. So that's the kind of help I get. And I can't wait to have more help. The and website stuff. <gasps> she reorganized. She pre- relaunched the doubleclicks.com. She yeah. designed it. Oh, my God. She can do anything. It's the best. I love that. That's a great answer. Oh, I'm so excited. There are things happening with the band for the first time ever. There are things happening with the band that I don't know about. Wow. And... Like, for example, she told you to ship dice. She did. And I didn't know that that had already happened. <laughs> and I, I was like, what? It already happened? It already happened, Laser. I, it was amazing. I don't understand. This wow. is like literally never happened before. It's true. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed and humbled. And it's just, I don't have to think, have all these logistical things in my head. And these emails don't sit in my inbox for four months because I don't have the energy to deal with them. Like, it's just magical. I should have done it a long time ago. Yay. Well, it's happening now. Yes. Uh, So is this, this may answer this next question. What would you like to change about this job? And what will you never change? Things I would like to change about my job. uh, And I would love to hear your answer about this too, Aubrey. I think we all have like conflicts with our brains about like, why don't you just do the thing I want you to do when I want you to do it? Like Mm. Mm -hmm. I have a perfectionism problem. I have Mm. like problem, like sitting down and doing the work. And I try to solve this problem a lot by reorganizing my office several (laughs) times a month. Yep. Um, which is not actually the solution to the problem, but it's fun to do. Sure. Um, I'm very thankful to have somebody to help out now. And that has significantly helped my life. I think also the biggest change that has come over the last couple of years is just accepting that like, I'm really happy and thankful for the things that make me me. And it's okay to just embrace those and not be like, Oh, I wish I was as talented as Molly Lewis or, you know, as had the vocal range of Marion call or, you know, the comedy writing prowess of Jonathan Colton or whatever. Like, no, I'm me. That's fine. That's who I am. And it, it uh, the audience I have is the audience that likes me and I'm I'm gonna be me and that's wonderful and the unique combination of things that that leads to is is great um and I think getting into competition and jealousy and stuff like I would love to get that out of my brain and rescue all of my other my artists from that as well you know yes communication is also a thing that I think we're constantly working on and I'd love to like improve that and like I love that I'm very sensitive and my bandmate is very sensitive and I think that is what makes us so relatable to our fans but yeah it also creates uh you know it you know two hypersensitive people working together um <laughs> is an adventure it uh is. <laughs> which is a, a debrief I had with my assistant this morning I was like so you saw that so if you're ever on tour with us uh she's like yes I understand okay cool um, 
It's great. It's fine. I think it's wonderful, and I'm glad we are who we are, but I think it's like uh, a journey that we have to keep building on. Yeah. I don't know. What else would I change? I would make everybody nice to each other all the time. Mm. Um, I would make it so if I, like, disappeared from the world for, like, six months to go write a musical, I would come back to the internet and be immediately relevant again, so I wouldn't have to spend time Ah. on social media. Um, (laughs) Although, I think that's actually relatively true. I don't think it's that hard to leave and come back. I think people just are more worried than they need to be. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. And what would I never change? I don't know. I love our audience. I love them so much. Um, And um, I love you, Aubrey. And I'm really glad that you are the person that I make music with. I think you're great. Oh, no. I'm going to cry. Thank you, Laser. Mm-hmm. How about you? Would you change Copy me? Copy, paste. You would change, Never. You would, you would turn me into Janelle Monet. Uh, no. And then you would I keep couldn't your live cello. up to that. <laughs> uh, no, I can't. I mean, I can't believe I can. I get to make music with you. No. So I'm just, I'm just really, I really enjoy. I've, I've just enjoyed being on this journey and I keep looking back and going, wow, I can't believe we did all that. And I just, every day is always, always a new adventure. So it's really exciting. Uh, I never thought we'd get to do half the stuff we've done. So it's just amazing that we keep getting to do more stuff. Um, I agree. Very cool. Wow. Yeah. Great answer. Thank you. So we're to the last two questions that we always ask. Yes. Laser. Yes. What tools do you use? Thank you for asking. This is always my favorite part of any of these podcasts is like, I want to know the software. I want to know what to get into. Yeah. Um, this is always the, the top, the top, the top hotness. Obviously, I'm a Google Docs stan. I love, we're looking at, I'm looking at a Google Doc right now, and I'm also mm-hmm. looking at Clean Feed, which, where I'm recording my podcast, and GarageBand, where I'm actually recording my podcast. <laughs> uh, we're using Clean Feed to talk to each other and as a backup, and then GarageBand to record the podcast. I'm huge into Dropbox. We've used Dropbox for a long time. It's where we keep everything, where we play our tracks off on tour, where we, we can keep our music and our lyrics on there. My other favorite tools include Canva for making images and resizing images to all of the different social media platforms. You should make sure your your images are the right size for different social media platforms. Indie Hitmaker is a great resource. It's how we have charted on Billboard so many times because technically you're not allowed to report to Billboard unless you're signed to a label, and we are not signed to a label. So we use Indie Hitmaker, and they serve as our label. Um, we use BackerKit to help us fulfill our Kickstarters. And we use Kickstarter to help us kickstart things. We love Kickstarter. Meredith yeah. over at Kickstarter is the best. Uh, Meredith is the uh, head of music at Kickstarter, and um, they are awesome. So check them out. Who? What else do we do? I like Textiful is a text to join email list service that we use a lot um, yes. to get hundreds of new people on our email list every show by giving them a coy little plug like text cat to three, three, seven, seven, seven to get a song to get the song. We just uh, sang that nobody else has heard. And also another song that we rhyme something with Benedict Cumberbatch, but we won't tell you what you have to sign up to now to find out. Oh. Um, and then also uh, we use FanBridge for email. People use all kinds of different stuff. We just use FanBridge because it's what we signed up with a long time ago, and it's way cheaper for some reason than anything else. I don't know why, 
And I don't know if it's cheaper still if you sign up now, but that's what we use. And then we use Squarespace for our website. We used WordPress for a really long time and WordPress is still great. Um, but our assistant's really good at using Squarespace and our favorite tool is MissMorganPeters.com, our assistant, who is a human being, and she is great. So good. I use TweetDeck to schedule tweets. Facebook just created a place where you can schedule Facebook posts and Instagram posts. I think that's all of the things I can think of. Aubrey, what kind of tools do you use? Ooh, great question. I use Pro Tools for the pros. Oh, that's convenient. Yeah, sure. Uh, I feel very professional. Uh, Pro Tools I use for editing audio. I use it for mixing and editing and producing uh, all of our music stuffs. Nice. Yeah. I use Indicia for shipping, which I think is just stamps.com right now, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I use Gmail and all the things that Laser said. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I I back things up physically onto, onto hard drives. Oh yeah, so one time we got we got free hard drives for making our video nothing to prove. Do you remember that? Somebody over at WD sent us a bunch of free hard drives. Oh, yeah, it was the best so nice. the best gift ever. <laughs> uh yeah, always back up your albums in three different places. You can back it up to the cloud, but you got to have it in a couple other places too, please. Um cuz you're going to need those copies and uh take your meds. Um Is yeah. that that it goes really well with the next question, so I'll I'll, I'll say what advice would you give somebody wanting to make music? So, Oh, back everything up. <laughs> Great. And take your meds. Please. Anything take else? Take your meds. Take your meds. Okay. <laughs> uh, eat food. Uh, hydrate. You're you're allowed to take naps. Make check- checklists. Give yourself stickers. You know, there, there are more ways to make music than you think there is. Like school. There are, you can definitely go to school for music. And you don't have to, certainly. You could, the music for a really long time was about watching other people. Like it was sort of a mentorship way of doing it. A lot of people are self-taught. So there's not one way. There's millions of ways to do music and do the one that makes you happy. Also be nice to people. (laughs) I think the best way to do music is to do it in the way where you are kind to each other and yourself. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Laser, here's the last question. What advice would you give to someone wanting to make music? Uh, you're weird, and that's good. Ooh, that's great. That's great advice. Yeah. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. That is episode one of Fan Funded. If you have any questions at all of anything that we didn't talk about today or that you think you have for anyone in the future, please send them over to fanfundedpodcast.gmail.com. I am going to bring on people from all different genres of creation. we got podcasters, video game and board game designers. We've got even artist managers. We've got all kinds of people coming. And I'm going to have a special Q&A episode later this season. So please, please, please send over your questions to fanfundedpodcast.gmail.com and I'm going to figure out that answer for you. I'm also very smart. Please share this episode with a creative friend and if you want to hear more from me i have a free true fan finding guide and an excellent mailing list over at my website lasercampaigns.com and never forget that the things that make you different are what really make you shine 
Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Aubrey, for editing this podcast, producing this podcast, and being on this episode today. Thanks for having me. Bye.